apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it's nice to have Justin back from vacation. Hope you had a good vacation in Florida. Yes. And uh, But we got we got to start. we got to start uh, in the NBA playoffs. And you know what series we're starting with. We're starting with the Nets and Celtics. They played a great game one on Easter Sunday. Celtics beat the Nets 115-114. to 114. Jason Tatum with that layup at the buzzer to give the Celtics that uh, 1-0 lead in the series. And, you know, obviously we know what Kyrie did uh, during the game, flipping off the fans, the Dynamic between Kyrie and the Celtics fans. It's it's back and forth. Personally, he did get fined 50K for that, but I, I personally think that was the right move by the NBA. Kyrie, I know. I mean, Kyrie, I mean, I think he's, he's got he's to be able to deal with that stuff. You know, he didn't play well for the Celtics. I mean, you go through his Celtics career, you go through his career with the Celtics, I mean, especially that second year where, you know, he held back Tatum, he held back Jalen Brown. I mean, he's got to live with that. Celtics fans have every right to have every right to boo him to boom because of what happened what happened there but for the series i mean the, the big question is going to be you know celtics lead the series one game to none is tonight a must win for the nets in my opinion i'm going to say no i'm going to say no because i don't think when any team in the nba if they get down 0-2 before they play at home it, the game is a must win especially this nets team seeing the two players they got with kevin durant and we're seeing that they got Kevin Durant and they got Kyrie Irving. So I am going to say no, that tonight is not a must win for the Nets. But Justin, is tonight a must win for the Nets? 
No, I'm with you. I don't think so either. I think this game, I think the series is going seven games. So I to me, I don't think so either. I agree too. They haven't even played at home yet. I know Brooklyn may not be the biggest home court advantage in the world, but you still have KD, Kyrie Irving going home. Um, you know, again, and Celtic probably aren't gonna be without Rob Williams, probably to maybe game six or seven. So no, I don't think it's a must win either for the Nets as well. I just think this series is probably gonna go the distance. So I think the Nets could very easily tie this thing back up at two if they they do lose again tonight. Oh, yeah, very, very, very easily because of the talent they have for the Nets. Now, the question is going to be for the Nets is, uh, what do they need to do to tie the series up tonight? For me, number one, Kevin Durant has got to be better. He only had 23 points in in, uh, in game one, and he was held to 9 of 24 shooting. Kevin Durant has got to be better. That's number one for me. Number two, they're getting, they need to get more out of Curry. They need to get more out of, out, out of Bruce Brown. They need to get more to Andre Drummond. Curry has not been good in the postseason, and Drummond and Brown were not as good as they were in that game in the playing tournament against the Cavaliers. So those are my two things that need to happen for the Nets to even this series. Justin, what for you, what do the Nets need to do to even this series tonight? I think for the Nets, I think they need to play better defense. I Those last two possessions in the game, they were horrendous. You know, they kind of – they are up there with 45 cents left that Kyrie hit that three – the two horrible defense possessions. Again, that's been their problem all year. You know, they, they got to be able to get these stops late in games to win, you know, to to win a championship. You got to make some late game stops. I need to see them be able to do that tonight. Um, the other one is they gave up 18 second chance points. You're not, you know, they got absolutely dominated in the off of the glass. You still have a guy like Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders of the game. They got absolutely torched on the offensive glass. They got to be a lot better in that area as well. They can't give the Celtics second second opportunities. Um, and then my last one too was in the paint, they got outscored. I guess this is a combination 65 to 32. Now Robert Williams is a great interior defender. You got to take advantage of him not being on the floor right now. You've got to get to the basket. They did not, they could not do that. They did not do that very well at all Sunday. That's another thing. They got to get to the basket and, you know, Daniel Dice is not a great interior defender. So I think, you know, they got to get to the basket, get some contact, you know, finish around the rim. Um, you know, just better interior presence as, as well defensively. You give up 65 points in the paint. That's way too much. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean the, the thing is, is I mean, for the Nets, yeah, Durant's got to be better, and the supporting cast can be better, and their interior defense has got to be better. Now we see the Nets have – we talk about the Nets, but they're one, having, having the 1-0 lead in the series. Now we move on to the Celtics. What do the Celtics have to do to go up 2-0? And in my opinion, I feel like Jalen Brown's got to be a little better from three-point range. He only shot – I know he had like he had 20 points, but he only had, uh, made one three-pointer. And their bench has got to be better. Uh, the, the bench of uh, with the, uh, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, those they need more scoring with the bench. They were outscored 3-17 to uh, on their bench on uh, on Sunday. They can't just rely on, you know, Marcus Smart and uh, – and uh, Al Horford to have the games they did offensively, their bench has to be better for that team to have to have uh, success in game two. So, the, so two things for me: it's the bench needs to be better, and Jalen Brown has to be better from three. Justin, for you, what do the Celtics got to do to go up two up? For me, I think Marcus Marcus Smart's got to be on Kyrie Irving the entire game. He was held one for three when he guarded him on Sunday. When anybody else was on Kyrie, he was eleven for seventeen. Marcus Smart just won Defensive Player of the Year. You got to put him on there every time he's on the floor. Kyrie, he's got to guard him. He's got to lock him up, you know, and try to hold him and, and make that supporting cast beat you. Make somebody else beat you. So I think they did a pretty good job with Kate on guarding Kevin Durant as well on Sunday. So Marcus Smart needs to be on Kyrie Irving. And the second one, um, as well, it, it's 
is the same kind of point you had as a supporting cast. It's you know, can somebody else besides Jason Tanner or Jalen Brown put up like 20 points? Because if Marcus Smart's going to be on Kyrie Irving tonight, he's going to be a lot more focused defensive end. So you may not get a first from him tonight. You know, yeah, you may need something. You know, may need one of those other off the bench to up and score, you, score some baskets. Kind of pressure of um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, yeah, as well for me, it's a supporting cast of stuff to do a little bit more to help those two out. Absolutely. And you made, you made a good point. You made a great, great point about Marcus Smart. Uh, he's Yeah, I think if they can contain Kyrie Irving, or one of those two guys in this series, if they don't let Irving or Durant go off and both go off in, 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 in these games, in, in, in a game in, these, in this series, the Celtics actually have a great chance to win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because as you, you mentioned, too, the Brooklyn supporting cast has not been great. I like, you know, Ruth Brown only got five points. Andre Drummond's not the type of guy anymore that's going to score 18 points and get you 15 rebounds. He's just, he's not that type of player anymore. And yeah, it, you mentioned too, Seth Curry had not been great in the postseason. You know, he, he's a guy that he could put up 20 a game, but really has not shown it yet. And then Nick Classic, Nicholas Classic, again, on the Celtics. Yeah, I, I just, I just hack him. He looks so uncomfortable at the line. They had to know that, you know, I know he played pretty well, but he, you know, they just, they're, yeah, if you can shut those two down, make somebody else beat you, I, I feel really confident if you're a Celtics fan. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So what is your prediction tonight? I'm, I'll do mine first. Uh, my prediction is I, I think I think the Nets win tonight. I think this is a night where KD and uh, uh, KD and Kyrie this is have big games. And uh, I do think that I don't expect Smart and Horford to have huge games. I do think Jason Tatum is going to be great because he's, he's, he's a top 10 player in the league. I think Jalen Brown is going to be good. But I think uh, the combination of Kyrie and KD are going to outplay uh, Tatum and Brown. And I think the Nets even the series at one. Justin, what do you think happens tonight? I get the Celtics going up 2-0. Whoa, um, whoa. And let me tell you, I you mean, like the Celtics. You definitely have liked the yeah. Celtics going forward. You, I was all over you couple weeks ago when you were saying I mean you when I was when you were when you were saying the Celtics were the best team in the East but yeah. you've been you've been all you've been you've been right on about the Celtics. Yeah they've been good now I worry like if they have to because I think they're going to the distance here I worry that they're not gonna get much farther after this because usually teams that play a long first round don't really get too far in advance in the playoffs but for tonight I still think you know Tatum Brown get it done. You know I, I think you know Marcus Mart does a good job with Kyrie Irving tonight and I, I think you know the Celtics as a whole do a Again, do a good enough job on KD. I think he does shoot the ball a little bit better tonight. But I think they do enough, and I think defensively too. I'll take the Celtics with a couple minutes left in a tight game to make the stops, make the critical stops that I don't see Brooklyn making. So I really see that from Brooklyn. I'm not very high on them. So I'll take the Celtics defensively late in this game too to make the big stops that they need. Wow. Justin is going with the Celtics. Should be very, very interesting uh, what happens tonight. I, I go with the Nets. I still got them in six. Justin, do you have the Celtics or Nets winning this series? I got Celtics in seven right now. Ooh, got I, Celtics in seven. Yeah, I can't see Kyrie Walker in that building in game seven and letting and, and getting out of Boston with a win if it goes that oh, far. Oh, wow, wow. So you've got the Celtics in seven. Very interesting series. Best series. Probably the best first-round series between these two teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight between these two teams. But – we got to move on. We're hoping Xander's, you know, I don't know if Xander's watch us right now, but uh, we're hoping Xander's watch us right now because we're going to talk about his heat and uh, them going up 2-0 on the Hawks last night. They beat the Hawks 115-105 to 105 to take a 2-0 series lead. Jimmy Butler was outstanding with 45 points. But the big question in the series is, is there any way the Hawks can get back in this series? And I think 
really the, the biggest thing is I know Trey Young played well last night, but he's got to get back on track from three-point range. He'd have done a great job uh, limiting him from three-point range. He's two for 17 in this series from three-point range. He hasn't been the best player on the floor, which I think he needed to be for the Hawks to win this series. Jimmy Butler has been that guy. And Jimmy Butler has completely outplayed him in those first two games. So really for me, number one, uh, Young has got to be better from three-point range. And number two, the supporting cast of the Hawks, Gallinale, Carlin, uh, Collins, Hunter and Herter need to be better. Those two things for those, two, those are the two things for me that have to happen for the Hawks to get back in the series. Justin, what, what do they, what do you think the Hawks have got to do to get back in this series? Yeah. Uh, number one with Trey Young, I think that was a great point. Yeah. Two for 17. I think that he had done a great job of just swarming him every time he touches that ball and he's really struggled to get it going. And so I think the heat defensively just done a great job on him. Yeah, he's, They got to get, get him some open looks, kind of try to get him off some, off ball screen, just try to get him some open looks. He really has not had many of that this series, and that's really been a problem for him. And he, that's kind of been one of the big reasons why. And yeah, you know, as well, I think defensively for the Hawks, it's kind of been a problem with them kind of all year. They're not a great defensive team. It's Jimmy Butler kind of just did whatever he wanted to. You know, the, the Heat have just been, you know, really good offensively the you know first couple of games. And I just think defensively, the Hawks just need to find an answer for Jimmy Butler. I don't know who that's going to be defensively. I think, you know, maybe DeAndre Hunter is a pretty good defender, but I don't know if he's still going to be able to slow down at Jimmy Butler because right now he's just on an absolute tear. I think Atlanta too defensively because the way the Heat play, it is tough to score on them as, you know, they're just such a great defensive team. You're going to have to play some of these games where, you know, low 100s type of games, and I don't know if Atlanta's going to be able to shut them down enough to be able to do that. So I think defensively they got to get a lot better the next two games at home. Yeah, it's going to be very, very tough for Atlanta to contain Butler and the way that he have contained Trey Young. It looks like this is going to be a short series. Moving on to another series, which looks like it's going to be a short series, is the Sixers and the Raptors. And the Sixers lead the series uh, 2-0 over, over the Raptors. And really, before we talk about the Raptors getting back in the series, the bi- the big story is is – in these two games, do the Sixers look like they're back to being a title contender? And for me, uh, after game one, I said yes. But in game two, seeing that drought they had in the fourth quarter and seeing Harden only score 14 points, I still think they're a contender, but I would not have the I definitely would not have them as the favorite. I still would have either the Nets or the Bucks or even the Celtics. I'm getting high on the Celtics after that one game, but even the Celtics is a favorite. And so uh, right now, I say they're a contender, but I would not have them as the favorite. And and, and a big reason for that, I hate to say it, is because of the, the shooting of James Harden. James Harden, I know James Harden had 22 in game one, only had 14 in game two. Uh, so, yes, but he had, did have 20 assists, but can he be that score? And I don't know right now if James Harden could be that score. You said it a couple of weeks ago. He really hasn't been the same since he's since he pulled his hamstring last year, and I'm starting to agree with that. And uh, uh, I, I think the Sixers. I think the Sixers. I have still as a title. I have them as a title contender because of how great Embiid has been. But I would not have them as the favorite right now. So, uh, so yeah. I, right now, the from what I've seen, I don't think they're. A, I, I think they're a contender, but I wouldn't have them as a favorite. But Justin, from what you've seen from these first two games from the Sixers, we know they're probably going to beat the Raptors. Are they a title contender? I'm with you. I think they're still there. I don't. I wouldn't put them as a favorite at the moment. You know, I think James Harden right now. Yeah, I, he's not the same guy, and he just, he he looks like he's a pass first guy at the moment. He's just trying to find the open guy now. 
And he again, if he's your fourth option, though, scoring wise, I think you're in great shape because you got Embiid, you got Tobias Harris, you got Tyrese Maxey, who's been unbelievable the first two games. So I think you're that same point. Harden's your fourth scorer. That's that's a deadly con. That's a deadly combination. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried about Harden. You know, and, and like, what happens to Sixers if they can't get to the free throw line one game? Because they really make a living there, and because Toronto just can't stop them on the drive. Because they can't help of all, you know, this, as you guys were, you and Jace were talking about last week, the size disadvantage, they can't help off Joel and beat in the paint. And it's either a foul or they're just, you know, or they're uh, Philadelphia just getting an easy layup or dunk. So for me, I think, you know, if they play like a good defensive team like the Celtics, it could be very tough for them to score. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put them in the favorite. But again, I think they're still really good enough. Again, you got the best, you got one of the best players in Joel and beat to, very well could be the MVP this year, you know, down low. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the Sixers still are there. They're still a really good team. I don't know right now. I, I still would not put them as a favor. I'd probably, right, I, I I probably right now take like the Heat in six or seven against them right now at the moment. But, again, I would not be shy to see the, the uh, 76ers knock them off. Yeah, I mean, but the, the issue though for the Sixers is, they can't expect Harris and Maxey to be this good all the time. They're going to need Harden to be more of a scorer. And the big question for James Harden is, I know he's had 20 assists, but when the Sixers need a basket, is he going to be able to get that basket? That's going to be the big question. It's probably going to be answered in the next series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, you play a team like the Heat. Yeah, he's not He's not been great this postseason shooting-wise. He just he just doesn't – he looks like a pass-first guy, you know. And, again, I just – I've never liked that he misses a shot and all of a sudden he just throws his hands up and starts arguing with the ref wanting a foul. Like, you know, I've never been big on him with that. But, yeah, you know, can he go to the bat? Because, like, I, I think the two thing now, too, is when he drives to the basket, you don't really need to – I guess you don't really need to double him anymore, you know, because sometimes it's like he's ready he's, – he's just trying to find the open guy in the corner on that. So, I think for, like, for the Raptors, too, and going forward, it's – I wouldn't even double Harden anymore when he – when he, because it's a double, it's a, um, you know, he's just kicking out to the open corner guy. And that's where kind of Tobias Harris, you know, Danny Green even hit a couple the other night. And Maxi, the corner three balls, I'm dropping for him. You know, so like in that regard for Harden, yeah, you know, he may have to hit a shot or two. And I, and again, I, he has not been able to prove it, but yeah, he's been a really good distributor. But yeah, when it comes down to it, I don't know right now if I trust him to hit a three because he's not really looking for it right at the moment. And this is going to lead me to my next point. What do the Raptors have to do to get back in the series? And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they got to. I think what they have to do is not let not. They got to double Embiid and not double Harden. They really should should just try to let see 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 what see if James Harden see see if James Harden could uh could beat them one one on one. I think they should just try to guard James Harden one on one and double Embiid because Embiid is the guy right now. Embiid has been playing great. He was outstanding on Monday night. I think they can't let Embiid. I think they. I think they really have to try to limit Embiid as much as possible. That's the only chance the Raptors have of getting back in the series. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I that's kind of mine as well for the Raptors to get back in this thing. They do because yeah, Embiid is just again Siakam's a good player, but he just does not have the size to play with um with Joel Embiid and like even a, a pre a Chua, he's not he's not physical enough to guard a, a um and he's not even you know he's he's not physical enough to guard a Joel Embiid either. Yeah, he's just a mid math nightmare right now. Um, so I think that's a big problem for the Raptors. Uh, actually, I'll say this one too. Um, I think for the Raptors, have any chance too? They need Gary Trent to be healthy. You know, hopefully, another couple of days he's feeling better from you know his illness. 
And then if they could get um, Scotty Barnes back as well, because they don't have a bench to begin with. I knew Bouchard would play pretty well the other night, but they don't have a bench either. They needed Scotty Barnes because, again, what? Nick Nurse probably trusts like four guys on that team right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, That's the thing is their bench – their starting five is really good, but yeah. their bench is absolutely terrible. Yeah, you know, and I remember you guys talked about that as well last week. It's a, it's a bench. They, they kind of need guys, and you lose a guy like Scotty Barnes who's had a really good rookie year. And then Gary Trent, who has had a really nice year, average 18 a game. Again, he didn't look well the other night. Again, maybe maybe tonight he does – he's feeling a bit better and, and has a better game. But they need those two back to, to help some of the scoring production because – yeah, it's, it's, um, they just don't have much of a bench to help them out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So for tonight, who do you got winning? I think the Sixers win in five, but I think this is the one game the Raptors win. Yeah, I'm with you. I think yeah, I can't. I don't see the Sixers sweeping them. I do think the Raptors get tonight. I think they're. I think they do enough. Um, offensively, they help. They keep Joel and B in check enough, and the Raptors find a way to win tonight. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We got game three of that series as well tonight. Another, another, we got game, we got another series that, that goes on tonight. That's the last Eastern Conference series. It's between the Bucks and the Bulls. Bucks won game one, 93 86. But there was some concern with the way they, sh- they shot the ball. Middleton and Holiday did not shoot the middle. Middleton and Holiday did not shoot the ball well from three. Uh, Giannis was, he, he's, not, he's not a three point. He, obviously, he struggled from three point range. And we expect that from him. But he was he still at 27 points because no one could stop him going to the basket. The big question here is I think we all agree the Bucs are going to win this series. But is there concern with them going forward with the way they played on Sunday? Because they did not shoot the ball well. They only scored 93 points. I know they still won, but they they, they played probably one of the worst teams. They probably they're playing one of the worst teams. The Bulls were one of the worst teams, uh, are probably one of the worst teams in the postseason. So uh, is there concern for the Bucs going forward? I think there is because I think I don't know if you can rely on Middleton and Holiday all the time. You know Giannis is going to be great, but I don't know if say they get into that next series against the Nets or the Celtics. I don't know if you could rely on Middleton and Holiday all the time. But I so I do think the way they sh- the way they shot the the way Middleton and Holiday shot the ball against in game shot the ball in game one. I do think there's a little bit of concern for the Bucks going forward, not in terms of winning the series, but in terms of making a run deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I think for deep in the playoffs. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, for this series, I'm not worried at all right now. Yeah, because, you know, I know they won it last year, but, yeah, like Middleton or Holiday did not have very good games. You know, and I know I know. I think it was Holiday. It was like, well, like we won an ugly game, but, again, yeah, you, you played a Bulls team. And the thing about it, too, DeMar DeRozan shot 6 for 27 as well. You know, DeRozan's That's not shooting like that. That's the thing. Did DeRozan shoot the ball well? Neither did Levine. Those guys didn't play well, and you only won the game by seven points. Now, as we've said, as we said, they're probably going to win this series, but I think their lack of sh- the Bucks, Holiday and Middleton, they're the, the way they struggle to shoot the ball could definitely hurt them going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely can. You know, only Middleton's a good player, but again, he's not he's not always consistent. And again, their defense is very good, the Bucks, but you know, like the Bulls were seven for thirty-seven last or the other night from three. I don't see him shooting that bad again, you know. Tonight, I, I you know, the Bucks shot thirty-six percent from three on the year. You know, I, I think the you know Giannis is, Giannis could carry a team, but you know through a series like this. But yeah, you you play a Celtics or or the Nets in this next round. Look, you know, Brooklyn almost knocked them off last year without Kyrie or James Harden. They don't have either of those two this year. You know, I think it's a little concerning for the Bucs as well. I just, yeah, offensively, they're just, 
you know, could Brook Lopez get it going? You know, and he had 18 the other night. Like, you know, he's a guy they're, they're going to need. Like, yeah, you know, who off the bench can you trust? Great, you know, Grayson Allen had an awful night. He's a decent shooter. But again, like, you can't, you know, could Grayson Allen get you eight to nine a game, maybe? But yeah, you know, like, you're not going to get a 30 point outburst from Grayson Allen anytime soon. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I think, you know, the Bucks offensively, it is a little bit concerning right now that they just, they don't have enough out scoring right now outside of Giannis. They just, or they don't have enough guys that they can trust outside of Giannis. And you made a great point about last year. I mean, last year the Nets did not, I mean, they had James Harden was banged up and Kyrie Irving didn't play. And if you, if, if and if both of them were healthy, there's no way the Bucks would have gotten past the Nets last year. So there definitely should be some concern going forward with this team. Yes, they won the championship last year, but you look at their road. I mean, they they be they're definitely going to have a tougher road this year. They get to the second round, it's going to be the Nets or the Celtics. Then if they get to the conference final, it's going to be the Sixers, who were better than last year, and the Heat, who were better than last year. So their road is definitely going to be tougher. And arg- and, pro- and, and, and if they get to the finals again, they're probably going to play a tougher team in the finals. Say the Warriors get to the finals this year, that's probably a tougher team than they played last year in the finals. So their road is definitely going to be tougher. To, their road is definitely going to be a lot tougher to repeat, and they just got to shoot the ball better. They can't score 93 points and expect to move to, to go deep in these playoffs. No, absolutely not. Yeah, as you mentioned, the path that they're going to have to go through. And, you know, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. This is probably the deepest Eastern Conference been in over 20 years. You know, like, yeah, you know, we, you know, I know you mentioned a couple of times about, you know, the duos and the super, you know, the duo superstars that these teams have. And, you know, Chris Milton's a good player, but I would, he's not on that duo of um a superstar they they have i think the bucks have the worst duo of of, of really any of the any of the top five teams in the east now obviously the nets have clearly a better duo uh the the sixers we've been critical harden but with harden and Embiid, i think that's a i still think that's a better duo than uh and middleton and and then and then oh all right maybe they maybe they have and then you look at the celtics i think brown and tatum is a better duo and uh, they might be better than the heat i'll give them the heat but really outside of the celtics uh, Nets and Sixers, they all have better duos in the Bucks. Yeah, I, I probably think the Heat because Bam's still a really good player. Jimmy I Bowen don't like is, I don't like Bam as a scorer. Bam is not, and he really hasn't stepped up as a scorer in the postseason. So I would take Middleton and Giannis over Bam and Butler. But but outside of that, I take the Celtics duo, I take the Nets duo, and I take the Sixers duo over what the Bucks have right now. Yeah, and I think that's going to hurt them. But you know, we can go back to Heat, and uh, but the Heat have a better supporting cast around it. You know, they have Tyler here. They have Duncan Robinson. Better they bench, have better bench. They have the yeah, sixth bench. man of the year. Yeah. Definitely a better bench. The Bucks bench is not very good at all. Yeah. And that they, you know, and that would, would hurt the Bucks. So yeah, I think their road's going to be a lot tougher this year. And again, it's going to be a problem. If you're at home too. You, you score 93 against a Bulls team that defensively, they're better than last year, but they're still not a juggernaut defensively. They're not that great of a defensive team still. And I think that's kind of the, I think it's a definitely concerning thing for them. So, yeah, the Bucks deep in these playoffs could struggle again. They could really, could really help them if the Celtics Brooklyn has to go seven games, and then you know they can kind of benefit off that. But again, I, I would not be shocked to see them go down to either of those two teams in the next round. Yeah, oh, no, not at all, not at all. So who do you got winning tonight? I got the Bucks. I, I even though I'm not, I was in love with the Bucks performance in Game One. I think kind of a bounce back performance in Game Two, and I think Chicago is one of the worst teams in the playoffs right now. Yeah, I get the Bucs as well. I think they play better. They can't really play much worse than they did the other night. Um, I think Giannis plays well. I think, you know, Middleton, Holiday. I think they play well enough tonight. Yeah, they bounce back. They go up to Chicago, they go to Chicago up to up. 
All right, now moving on to the Western Conference. And, you know, I'm throwing you a little bit of a curve, Justin, because last night I thought, okay, Suns should win. They should go up 2 on the Pelicans. And we'll maybe debate, you know, if the Suns and Warriors are, you know, the two best, who's who's better? Who are, who are, they, are they clearly the two best teams? But uh, Devin Booker uh, has a hamstring injury. He leaves the game in the third quarter. Pelicans pull the upset. Uh, great night from Brandon Ingram, scoring 37. CJ McCollum had a really good game, too. Uh, so the Pelicans now, the series tied 1-1. The big question is right now, could Booker's injury impact this series? I still don't think so. I still think Aiton and Chris Paul are going to be enough for the Suns to get past the Pelicans. That's why I don't think Booker's injury is going to impact the series. But, Justin, do you think Booker's injury could impact this series? No, I don't think so either. Because I, I think a couple days here, if you um, you know, you got two days off here before you play again on um, – Saturday, I believe. I mean, Friday night. Friday, Friday night they yep, play again. Friday, yep. Um, so they got you got a couple games of game plan without him, and I think they have enough around. You kind of saw what Cameron Payne's been able to do as a scorer. You know, you got Cameron Johnson off the bench as well. I think they have enough scoring. Again, you lose a guy to Devin Booker, who's been an MVP candidate, who had 31 points to 24 minutes last night. But I, I think they're still good enough without without him to get by the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think. I don't feel fast to the Pelicans. I think they've had a great run. But I, I think in terms of – I know Spicullum has experience. But in terms of this team, Pelicans team being together, I think the Suns are the more experienced team. It might take six games, but I think the Suns are – even with Booker out, I still think they're going to be fine with fine playing the Pelicans with it without Devin Booker. And they very easily could be fine in the next series too, looking at who they're going to play in that next series, the Mavs or the Jazz. I, even if Booker has to miss significant, significant time – I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Suns in the conference finals. No, I wouldn't either. I think the Jazz or Mavs could give them a fight. Now, it depends on Luka's health. Again, I like really liked what I saw out of Jalen Brunson there tonight. Um, I think, you know, that could go as well six, seven games in that series. Uh, you know, the, the Jazz or Mavs could push them as well. But, yeah, you got a guy like Chris Paul who's tough to beat. You got to so, – you know, the Jazz have – the Jazz and Matt both have stars in Donovan Mitchell and, and Luka Doncic. And, you know, that could be problematic. For the Suns, but I, I still think the Suns, you know, are talented enough to get by either of those two teams. But I would not be shocked to see Jazz or Mavs get through. If Booker's injury here is long-term and, and the Jazz or Mavericks take advantage to get through the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. But I think there's one thing no one can argue, and that's the and that's the Warriors right now, knowing that Booker is banged up. The, now, that, now that Booker's banged up, the Warriors should be the favorite in the Western Conference. Jordan Poole has been great. Steph Curry coming off the bench has been great. Uh, Clay Thompson, he's he, he's he's back. He, he's, he's, his shot is back. It feels like the Warriors are back. To me right now, they're up on the Nuggets 2-0. They are the favorite in the Western Conference. Justin, do you think, they, do you think they're the favorite right now in the Western Conference? And I think that's pretty obvious that they are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what Jordan Poole being able to do, what Clay Thompson – Clay Thompson is starting to get in a, a – get into a really nice rhythm now, you know, towards the last few games of regular season played really well. He's played pretty well in the postseason here. You know, you, you got a um, player, Andrew Wiggins, who's pretty good as well. So yeah, I think right now the Warriors are just clicking on all cylinders. Again, that team could score in bunches and again, they just have way too much firepower for the Nuggets. I think they'll get by their, their um, I, you know, I think they get by probably Memphis is going to win that series as well. You know, I and I think they get by Memphis in the in the in the uh, semifinals. Yeah, that Warriors team right now—they're just in a groove, and again, they're just knocking down shots. And 
that's a tough team to beat when they're on, when they're all on, like they have been so far. They they're unstoppable, unstoppable, unstoppable. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And the big question is too: Do they continue to have Steph Curry go off the bench? I think right now, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's not broke. Pools played really well in the starting lineup. Clay Thompson's played really well in the starting lineup. Curry's played well coming off the bench. I think you keep Curry. I think I think you keep having Steph Curry come off the bench and have and have and then eventually you know Looney will be out, so they'll have that death lineup of Steph Curry, Steph Curry, uh, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond, uh, Dray- Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna use that lineup a lot, and I think it's gonna work to their advantage a lot in this postseason, especially in the next series if they do play the Grizzlies, because the, well, the one thing the Grizzlies don't do well is they don't have a ton of interior scoring. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I absolutely. I think you know Curry coming off the bench has been phenomenal for him because yeah, you know, again, I it pool and, and um, you know, pool and Con- Clay Thompson are on, or you know, are on. Yeah, again, then you you go you bring in a Steph Curry now. You 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 know you go small ball with those three, and now if Pool and Thompson are hitting those shots, hitting their shots. Now you had a guy like Steph Curry as well that you really got to pay attention to defensively. You know, it just creates a big mismatch nightmare for the defense. And, you know, yeah, as long as it's – and Curry's not the guy, too, that's going to sit and complain either that, you know, he's not happy coming off the bench. Like, you know, Curry's fine with it, you know, and it's been working for him. So, yeah, you know, I just keep continuing to keep having him come off the bench. Because, like, I've always thought, too, like, doesn't really matter if you start or not. It only it really depends, you know, the best five are going to play at the end of the game. You know, no matter what, in a tight game, the, the best five are going to play at the end of the game. So you really start or not, it's not the biggest, biggest thing. It's kind of who's the five at the end of the game. And we're Curry, and obviously Curry's going to be one of those five at the end of the game. So, yeah, I, I definitely keep coming, having him come off the bench right now because it, it's working. And, you know, they, they just been in, in such a great rhythm. Absolutely. Without question, without question. I mean, the Warriors have just been playing great and they're off to an outstanding start in this postseason. But now we got to go to the two series that are at 1 1. We'll start with what happened last night with the uh, Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves uh, 124 to 96. John Morant, he almost had a triple double last night. He was absolutely phenomenal in this series. Uh, Game one, Edwards and Towns were great. Cats were great. They were great in game two. And that's my reason why, as we as our question is going to be, who do we give the edge to in the series right now? I'm definitely giving the edge to the Grizzlies, and the biggest reason why is I can rely on John Morant impacting the game every single, every single, every single, every single time. I can't do that with I can't rely I can't trust Cats to do that. I can't trust Anthony Edwards at his age to that. Eventually, I think Anthony Edwards is going to be able to do that. I think he's going to be great, but right now I can trust John Morant more than Anthony Edwards and Cats. That's why. I, I think the Grizzlies, even though they're going to Minnesota, that's why I think the Grizzlies have the edge of this series. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, I think last night too, the Timberwolves just major foul trouble there for Towns that really hurt them. That's been um, a problem. That was a problem in that playing game. That was a major problem yeah. in that playing game, and that's why Chris Finch, their coach, has got to be aware of that. I thought he coached a lousy game in the playing game, letting uh, you know Carl Anthony Towns pick up his fourth foul in the first half, and he eventually fell out of that game. Luckily, you know the Clippers. There, oh, no one could hit a shot for the Clippers at the end of the game outside of Paul George. They're able to get, they're able to get by that game. But Chris Finch has got to be aware of Carl Anthony Towns when he's in foul trouble, and it's got to sit him because they can't afford to have Carl Anthony Towns be uh, out of games in this, missing significant time during games in this series. No, absolutely, you're you're right about that. They they can't. Um, according to Woj, Ben Simmons could be back 
we'll, back. We'll, Megan's we'll, we'll, debut we'll, game we'll, is four We'll Monday. get to that. We fit it. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, with, going back to this game, Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Yeah, you know, yeah, Towns being in foul trouble. Cause, yeah, because you need him at the floor at the end of the game. And, you know, that, that's kind of a problem. It's, you mentioned, too, talking about kind of the Grizzlies. It's, you know, we're talking about the Warriors of their lack of two scoring. And you can kind of use Towns there in that area, you know, where they, they're not, you know, because um, Adams is not a score at all. I'm like, he's decent. Um, you know, I he was like decent, he's decent defensively. But, yeah, Towns should be able to to go off there in the paint. Um, you know, like he did in game one, he had a monster game. But, like, I thought Timberwolves defensively on Saturday, you know, going back to game two, did an unbelievable job of kind of just making things difficult. They, you know, they, they forced 11 turnovers for the – for the um, Grizzlies, and they scored 25 points off of it. You know, and the Grizzlies kind of took advantage of that last night, and they had 28 points off of turnovers. So it's kind of been, too, like what team kind of take care of the ball because the other one's kind of been taking advantage of that. You know, Timberwolves had 19 turnovers last night. The Grizzlies really cut that down. You know, they only had nine last night. So, you know, I think right now, yeah, with John Morant, I just think he's tough to spot, stop, and – you know, John Romant always moves off the ball. I don't really see Anthony Edwards kind of do that. I kind of see Edwards kind of waiting for the ball, kind of stay in the corner. He stay at the top of the key a couple times. You know, Morant's always moving. Morant's always trying to get open. I don't see that Anthony doing that all the time. You know, some guys, he they get a few off-ball screens, I believe, but, like, he doesn't really kind of move around, try to get himself open. And I think that's something, you know, too, that kind of hurts. You're just kind of standing around. You're not really getting open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it, the, the 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 thing is, is I just, I mean, I like Edwards. I like Cats. I they're not on Morant's level. They're not on Morant's level, and that's why I think the Grizzlies win this, and I think they win it in six games. I just don't think that Cats and Edwards are on Morant's level. That's why I give the Grizzlies the edge. But we'll talk about before we get to the breaking news. We'll talk about the last the, the last Western Conference series. That's between the Jazz and the Mavs. Series tied at one. Jazz won Game One. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a great. Uh, uh, second half. Uh, Mavs win game two. Jalen Brunson really, really stepped up, had 41 points. Maxi Kleba, eight points off the, uh, off the bench. And Maxi Kleba had eight threes coming off the bench. Uh, so, but in this series, in terms of who, who I give the edge to, I still give the Jazz the edge because Luke is not 100% and they're going home. And Utah is a tough place to play. So I still give the Jazz the edge in the series. Justin, who do you got? Who has the edge in the series, in your opinion, Jazz or Mavs? Yeah, I still like the Jazz right now. Um, I, I still think they're they're still a good enough team. You know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert down low. Yeah, you know, Luca's not totally, you know, I, I think he'll probably play either game three or game four. I, I assume he's going to come back. You know, but, but, yeah, you talked about Max Kleber. Again, he had 22 points. He was eight for 11. The Mavs hit 22 threes. Like, is that really going to keep happening? No, like, no. That just happens. Yeah, that yeah. just happens in a game. I mean, I don't like the way the Jazz are playing. Let's be honest. I don't no. like the way the Jazz are playing at all. But yeah, but yeah, it's twenty-two threes. That's that that is unrealistic. To, 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 that is not something that could continue to happen. They need to get Luca healthy to have any chance in this series. No, absolutely, and yeah, and I, I think you know that's kind of gonna be in the in the Jazz favor here. They go home again. You're still one-one going home. Like you, you know, you're still in a pretty good place. Now, granted, yeah, Dallas is gonna get their best player back either. I assume game three, or game four. And again, that could definitely change some things. But like again, like Mike Conley had a horrible game too. You know, he was over seven. I, I see him playing a lot better in game three. Like, I, I think the Jazz are going to play better in game three, and it's going to help. Now, Jalen Brunson's really picked it up the last couple of years, but, again, I can't see him scoring 41 again. Like, yeah, I think it was just the Mavs had a great night shooting the ball. 
And I think that's kind of been the problem. And, and that's kind of what happened to Jazz. And I think to Jazz too, like, you know, for the um, you know, the Mavericks last year, I, I think, you know, the Jazz have kind of done some of the same things that the Clippers did to them last year. The dribble penetration, they got open looks from three. And I think the Jazz are gonna be able to kind of expose that and you know in the, in the coming games of series with, with that because you know we kind of saw the the, the uh, Mavericks really struggle against that last year against the Clippers I think the, the Jazz have some really good outside shooters and I think that's going to be advantage for them as well and going home I, I think they do I think the Jazz probably win this game win the series in six or seven games I agree I got the Jazz winning it in six but now we got to get to the breaking news and according to Woj uh, ben Simmons can make his debut as early as game four. And I think if he does, it's going to make an impact. I think he def- I don't think on the scoring that he is, but defensively, I think he can contain either Brown or Tatum uh, d- defensively. I think defensively, he, can, he definitely can make an impact in the series. And I think he strengthens the Nets bench. Now that he'll start or come off the bench, he makes the Nets deeper. And that, and that was an advantage in game one for the Nets. They had 30 bench points. They outscored the Celtics 30 to 17 in bench points. So I do think he will make an impact if he plays in the series. Justin, you agree. I don't really think so. I think he can on the defensive end. I think on the offensive end, you, we the last time we saw this guy, he was passing a wide open dunks. Why yeah, would I guard I him at Boston? I just I go double Kyrie or KD every time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just yeah, you, I just yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons fan either. I think he's I thought he was massively overrated in Philadelphia. The guy never learned how to three to uh, shoot a three point shot, and that was a major issue. But I do think he makes a little bit of a difference if he plays. Not a big difference, but a little bit of a difference if he plays. Maybe a little bit. I, I think more the defensive end. I think I'd hack him on Boston or I'd leave him wide open and go double. Oh, you, you can't have him in the last four to five minutes. You can't have him in late in the game. That's mm-hmm. obvious. You cannot have him in late in the game because the guy can't make a free throw. But I think at certain, at certain points during the game, during the series, he can make a difference. Yeah, I think, I think he could. I think, yeah, late in game, you can't have him. You, you'd you have to do offensive defense subbing with with him and get him off the floor offensively. I think even early on in the game, Boston crowd, him shooting a free throw, I, you know, I think early in the game, I, I he touches the ball, I try to <coughs> hack him. You know, you got a couple fouls, you, I, I'd hack him. I, I think offensively, he's not going to bring you anything. I defensively he's going to be really good. I think defensively he helps out very well, but you can't often you can't sub him out offensive defensively all game. I mean, he'll make a little bit of impact, but again, I'm not really scared of him. Late in game, he's not really going to be that useful on the offensive end. Defensively, he he will be to stop to slow down to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. He'll be really good in that. Um, I, I think so. I think he'll make an impact defensively. Offensively, I, I think he's got zero impact. I, I think he he could help out the Celtics defensively when he's on the floor off when Ben Simmons is playing offense. Yeah, we'll see. It should be very, very interesting to see what happens there if, if he ends up coming back. So, so that should definitely be interesting. But that's going to wrap it up uh, for the NBA. But we have an NF, we have a receiver that wants out and wants out. And we'll talk and before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. 
to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotgun start at 9 a.m. on the player course. So according to Jeff Darlington, Debo Samuel has, has told him that he has requested a trade out of San Francisco. This is breaking news. We're kind of just processing right now. We've definitely there's definitely been the rumors where you know he scrubbed his Instagram from from his he scrubbed the 49ers from his Instagram. But we you know we said we were like, oh big deal. Kyler Murray did the same thing with the Cardinals. But he is he is now requesting a trade out of San Francisco. And uh looking at you know Looking at some of the teams they could trade him to, I, I think I, I think at this point the 49ers are starting to get to that point where they might end up having after having to have to trade him. Uh, so look at some of the teams. I mean, I think your team, the Patriots, would be a good destination. The Jets, those are probably the top two destinations right now for him uh, if, if if he ends up getting traded. Uh, but really, really big news uh, see, seeing that Debo Samuel has requested request a tor- trade from the 49ers. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... You know, I, I guess, you know, kind of, yeah, scrubbing the team, him, A.J. Brown's on that, Kyler Murray's on that. I don't think it's the greatest look in the world. I think it's a little bit childish to do something like that. But, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, yeah, as it's kind of breaking news, don't really know kind of all the details yet. But um, if it's kind of something where, yeah, you know, wants more money out of it or whatever, you know, who knows, um, you know, I know he's looking for a long term. Again, he had a great kind of, especially at the end of the year, the way they use him offensively in the running game. I'd love to see the Patriots go after him. I, I probably know the Jets would be right there as well. I would think Green Bay would try to be in the mix, but I don't know if they, if them and Green Bay would come up with a deal. I don't, I don't know if San Francisco would be a trade partner with them, being they're both contenders in the NFC. So I just, I don't know if, if, if San Francisco would deal him to to Green Bay. But I think it's another interesting one if they could. But no, I, they don't have much cash space, I guess, either in their own green, you know, with the Rogers stuff. Um, I'm just saying that I don't know what their cap situation is right now. I, I know they don't have a ton, but um, that'd be another interesting one. I don't know. It's not a great look by Samuel, but um, yeah, you know, again, he's he had such a great season last year, and you know, especially towards the end, it just kind of being a factor, all you know, the running game. Again, he's a good returner as well. Obviously, really good receiver. So, uh, again, the San Francisco would get a really good deal for him or package for him. You know, we'll kind of see if it's – if San Francisco, you know, now kind of ups their offer and gives them more money or if they just kind of end up just trading him away. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, he's just so versatile. He's able to run the ball. He's able to uh... – He's really good. He's really good at catching the ball. He's a really good receiver. So I mean, yeah, it's just the thing that the, the, the thing is is uh, is now now that he is requesting a trade, it's going to be hard for him now to go back to the 49ers. I mean, looking at the way things are 
the way the, look at the way things are going on now. I mean, and I think he looked at all these receiver contracts, and uh, he looked at the fact that uh, he looked at Adams' deal, he looked at Tyree Kill's deal, and the Adam Schefter said yesterday the 49ers are willing to pay him. There's just is something going on, I think, between Debo and the Niners. It might be the quarterback situation. You know, you look at some of these, you know, Big time receivers. You look at a lot of these, you know, big time receivers in the league. You look at, you know, Stephon Diggs. He's got Josh Allen. You look at Jamar Chase. He's got a. Uh, he's he's Joe he's Burrow. got Joe Burrow. You look at uh, you look at Devonte Adams. Even Derek Carr's not great, but he's got Derek Carr. Uh, you you look at uh, you, you look at yeah a lot. Uh, you look at a lot of these big time receivers. DeAndre Hopkins. He's got Kyler Murray. Debo Samuel's probably sitting there saying with Jimmy Garoppolo and not knowing about Trey Lance. What kind of numbers am I going to put up? So that, that definitely, I think that's definitely something that Debo Samuel is questioning. And we, and we talked about, and you talk, and we looked at possible destinations. I put up an article. Guess what? Guess what team is number one? The Jets. Guess what team is number two? The Green Bay Packers. So it, it, it probably, and the Patriots aren't even on the list, which I think they're probably saying, you know, they've they've not been they've really not been in on anyone, so they really haven't mm-hmm. done anything. So they're probably thinking. You know they're not gonna they're not really gonna be in on Debo Samuel, but yeah, look at the Packers and the Jets. Because you look at what the Packers did; they signed Sammy Watkins, but that's that's not gonna solve their issue at receiver. The Jets they ran on Tyree Kill, so that definitely them being one two makes sense. The other uh, teams were the Jaguars, the Chiefs. The Chiefs make sense because they lost Tyree Kill, although uh, they did get Juju and they did get Valdez Scantling and the uh, and, and the Panthers. But yeah, it looks like the Packers and Jets would be the top two trade destinations if Debo Samuel got traded. Yeah, you know, Packer, they guess yeah, would be a good one for them. I just can't see it because, you know, the Niners in the same conference. Again, they lose, you know, and the Niners still have a really good roster where you're going to be competing against the Packers still for, you know, chances uh, in the, in the very, very possibly in the playoffs. So I, I don't know, you know, if the Niners are trading there. I think the Jets is wide open. You know, it, it's a pot, very big possibility. Now it depends if. If it's something where Tyree Kill, where he kind of was like, I'll go to Miami. I don't want to play for the Jets. You know, could it turn into that situation where the Niners kind of give them the option of where you want to go? I, I think probably in this case, it's probably not that. But that would be interesting. Yeah, the Patriots, I hope the Patriots are on them. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked they're not because they really haven't besides, you know, they trade for Don, Devontae Parker. But that's really been about it. They really haven't done a ton to be nice. I would love that Debo Samuel and – Devontae Parker. Now, with their new offense of kind of staff here, I don't know how creative they're going to be. It's not, you know, with, with uh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, does it really excite oh, me? Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I don't they, you can't really get excited about that staff offensively, but um, I, I'd love to have him with, with Mac Jones, and that, that'd be a big help. But yeah, who knows? I love to see the Patriots in on him, but I just, I don't, not, I not totally sold that they will be. No, no, no. And I think, yeah, it looks like if he does get traded, the Jets is probably the favorite. And I think the Jets are going to go all in on him. I wouldn't be surprised. And they, and they have the draft capital, too. They have, they have you know, two two top ten picks. They got the number ten – they got the number four pick and the number ten pick. So the Jets definitely have the great draft capital. I wouldn't be surprised if Debo gets traded there before the draft. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I think it's a great point because the Niners gave up four first-round picks last year to get Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they Trey Lance, Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. 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 So I, I wouldn't be shocked either. You know the Niners are gonna want is gonna want a first round pick. Belichick's been willing to give them up, but the Jets got two of them. The Jets, yeah, the Jets have a ton of draft capital. So I would not be shocked if the Niners try to get one of those. And yeah, I would not be stunned to see this thing get done by by next Thursday before the draft. And because yeah, the Niners don't really have a first round pick. Maybe there's somebody they're interested in. They try to get that with the first round pick, and you know they and they get one of the first picks there from the Jets. 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So well, we got a couple other receivers that are that want long term deals and are uh, planning to skip off season workouts, and that's uh, that's Terry McLaurin of the, of the Washington Commanders and AJ Brown of the Tennessee Titans. I think it's obvious for both teams they got to pay both these guys. They got to pay both these guys. Uh, Ryan Tannehill does not make that much for a quarterback. He's making like twenty nine million. A year. His, his cap is like twenty nine million a year. That's not that much for a for a quarterback. And and I think they should pay Debo. I think they should pay AJ Brown the big money. I think they definitely should pay AJ Brown, and for the Commanders, they're not even paying a quarterback. So they uh, they did get they did trade for Carson Wentz, but uh, so but but they don't know you don't know the future of that. So I, I think their their franchise player on offense has got to be Cherry McLaurin. He's a little bit small, but he's really really productive. I think Brown and McLaurin definitely have to get paid. They do. I just don't like the way. Look at the Rams are doing. You know, Matthew Stafford's going to the camp. Cooper Cup's kind of talking of. You know, it's about the team, not really me. I, I you know, I, I, again, I think it's culture-wise. I, I understand why those two are doing it. I don't like the approach of um, making it me. I want my money. That's why the Rams won the Super Bowl. That's why the Patriots are so successful. So, I mean, you used to be successful. Let's let's let's, yes, let's get into that. that. You used to be you successful. Used to be okay. successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. The, the culture is so good in New England. It's not – Winning like they were used to, but the culture's still good. Again, that's why some of these, you know, the like Stafford's going to the practices. I know Tano's skipping out in the workouts. Like, I, I think that's kind of part of why they kind of skip out. And, and I think it depends on kind of where you are and kind of the willingness. I know they all want to win, but like, you know, I think guys really believe in that, like in LA, like the Rams, you know, they just won. They, they want to go get it again, you know. Brian, you know, Tannehill's not skipping, so AJ Brown too. Like, I want my money. If Brian Tannehill's not going to be there. I'm. Why should I show up? So, I think that both both have been really good. Both should get paid. I just don't like the way that it's being approached. I just I think it it hurts the team more than it helps. And yeah, but that but that's the new generation, okay? Uh, yeah, I they, they, yeah. I mean, these guys have been productive enough that they want their money, and they then they should get their money. Look at the quarterbacks that Terry McLaurin has played with. Throughout his time in Washington, I mean Taylor Heineke uh, and, and Dwayne Haskins. That's and Case Keenum. That's what he's played with, and he's put up numbers. I think he said three straight on a thousand yard, three straight seasons of a thousand yards, a thousand receiving yards. He should get his money. He is their best player on offense. AJ Brown is outside of Derrick Henry the best player on offense for the Titans. And you saw when the the Patriots played the Titans during the season how much of a difference that made when he wasn't in there, when him and Henry weren't in there. You saw how much of a difference that made. So these guys should get their money. I don't. I don't care. That they're skipping offseason workouts not to get their money. They have earned that money. No, they absolutely should. I, I I do think they should get their money. I just don't like the approach they take because yeah, both those yeah, McLaurin's had a great career with not a great quarterback at all. Yeah, Tannehill's he's okay, you know. And AJ Brown's put up huge numbers. You know, they were second round. Both of them were you know they were not first round picks either. You know, they kind of you know second rounders and they they've had really good careers. I just don't. I think there's other ways to go about it to get your money than just kind of because again it just it hurts the team. It you know again you just see what the Rams are doing. The guys are showing up. You know again you kind of saw what it happened. Odell was a different guy in L.A. Even Jalen Ramsey. You know Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I, I'm the best and all that, but then he kind of shows up again. It's kind of the team first mentality. Yeah, I mean, you you got a point. You got a point. I, I do disagree with you a little bit there because I, these guys should be getting paid, but you do have a point. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that they should be paid. They absolutely should. They're they, they're two of the best right now. 
Um, they, they've earned the money they get. I just don't like the scrubbing, like the scrubbing on the social media. It's like, it's like you're a middle schooler, you know, they really, what is that doing? It's the new generation. It's the I, new generation of athlete. They, 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 they want their money. And if the things aren't going well on the team they're on, they want out. It's just the new generation. Yeah. That's not, I'm not the, yeah, it is. And I, you know, I, I just don't like the directions going yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll we'll see what happens with these receivers. I am pretty sure that both teams will pay both these receivers. Here's here's it. AJ Brown should look <laughs> to take a pay cut for. AJ Brown should look to take a yeah. pay. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But 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 Chase, but Chase, uh, he's put up pretty big numbers that he deserves the money he is getting. You know, he if he if he's he's a top ten receiver, he wants to be getting top ten receiver money. That, that 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 and he probably will get top ten receiver money. But moving on to a guy who did get paid this week, and that is Denzel Ward of the Browns. Got a five year, hundred million dollar extension from the Cleveland Browns, and uh, I do like this move. I think he's a he's not their best. Obviously, Miles Garrett's their best player on defense, but you can argue outside of Miles Garrett, he's probably their second best player on defense. Yeah, this guy's not Jalen Ramsey, but he's a good corner. He the they reset the Browns reset the cornerback market. They reset the cornerback market. So I like this move for the Browns. I think this is a good move for the Browns. Justin, what are your thoughts on this move? Yeah, I like the I like the move as well for Cleveland. Yeah, I know that this year with their bringing in Deshaun Watson, it, it, you know their defense the last couple of years been their identity. You know the running game and defense been their identity. Now you got Watson. He'll probably miss half the season, but like you know, so yeah, I agree. He's probably the second best player in defense. He's their best player in the secondary. So. I do like the move for Cleveland. Keep getting that defense better because they, they, they've been really good in that area. That They've really kind of helped that team kind of move forward. And um, I, I do think it's a good move. Yeah, you kind of reset the cor- cornerback market. Um, seems like kind of, you know, at, is he reset? Yeah, he reset the market. So um, I, I do like the move for Cleveland. I think it's a good resign, good to resign him. Um, and, yeah, to, you know, good move for the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the last thing we'll talk about is Baker Mayfield. And obviously there was some interest from the Panthers this week, but he is not, he is not uh, at off season workouts where he's not obviously not attending off season workouts for the Browns, but there is a chance the Panthers might be interested in trading for him. Uh, The the Browns are going to definitely want, want a little, want something for him. The issue though with trading for him is, is uh, you're going to have to take that $19 million cap hit. But look at Carolina's quarterback situation. Look at what Ben McAdoo said yesterday. I mean, that was crazy what Ben McAdoo said yesterday. Sam Darnold's our starting. We say, I how was he ever a head no, coach? I'll tell you why he was a head coach. The Giants didn't want to admit they fired Tom Coughlin, <laughs> so they brought in Ben McAdoo because they didn't want to admit they fired a head coach. So then they brought in Ben McAdoo had one decent year that he was a total disaster. I remember it was a game that I was at with McAdoo where he said he's, there was a quote, there was a quote after the game. But he, no, he said something. They asked him a question after the game. What did you say to the team at halftime? Didn't say a word. You knew from there on out this man has got to be fired. This guy's a McAdoo's a disaster behind the microphone. Oh yeah, he said. Oh, he was doing like what a coach would say. Sam Darnold's our starting quarterback. And oh, I shouldn't have said that because we're not sure if, if Sam Darnold's going to be our starter because we've already been having meetings with you know Kenny Pickett and uh, and Malik Wills. For, so it's yeah. it's just a disaster. And Baker Mayfield, right now, the big question is going to be is, say Baker Mayfield does uh, end up – the Panthers end up trading for Baker Mayfield. Would he be the best quarterback in their roster? And sadly, I'd probably say yes, even though that's like a four or five win team. Sadly, I would say yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if they play him a lot, if they traded for him, because Matt Rule's job is on the line. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it'd be Baker Mayfield be your best quarterback on, on the roster. 
Um, you know, they you know, I know he's kind of had some injury problems. Darnold has as well, but Darnold, he makes a little bit better decisions than Sam Darnold does. You know, so Darnold has just made some horrible mistakes that, you know, he's still making in year four or five that rookies make. Um, and, and I know Baker, he did make a playoffs now. I know that that team with defense and Nick Chubb, but he still got to a team to the playoffs. So I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's a little bit better than Sam Darnold. I agree. It's not much of an upgrade, but I'd probably take a Baker Mayfield a little bit more ahead of, of a Sam Darnold. I think this decision making is a little bit better. I know I know Baker Mayfield's played with a better team around him, and Sam Darnold's played with the Jets and, and a Carolina team that's not great. But um, I, I, I do like Baker a little bit more than I do Sam Darnold, but not by much. None of both of them don't really impress me. But ultimately, this would just be stupid of the Panthers to do this because why would you pay? You have Sam Darnold. You have his fifth year of the. You have that cap hit for his fifth year option. Then you have Baker Mayfield. You would have Baker if they trade for him. It'd be a nineteen million dollar cap hit. It would be so stupid for the Pan, for the Panthers to, 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 to trade for Baker Mayfield. I think the best thing for Mayfield is I think the Browns aren't going to get anything for him. I think he's going to be released. And I've heard rumors that a team like the Steelers could 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 resign him. Obviously, the Seahawks could be in the mix, and the Panthers could be in the mix. You know. You know, uh, just uh, you know, signing Baker Mayfield, but I don't think you would really. They really should be giving up something for him, or, or trading for him, and giving up something for him, and taking on that cap hit. No, because I know the Panthers don't have a second or third round pick. Cleveland a few weeks ago, it was reported that they want a first round pick for Baker Mayfield. I don't think anybody's. There's no way. There's no way they're they should that they're going to give up a first round pick for Baker. Not even the Browns would give up a first round pick for Baker. No, no. So they're not getting that. The Panthers don't have a second, third round pick. You don't want to give up a future pick because there's no way he's on the roster in 2023. So why would you give up a future pick for Saint or for Baker Mayfield? So yeah, I agree. It's probably either a third, a day three draft pick, or I think Cleveland's probably gonna have to release him as well. And it'd be very interesting to go to Pittsburgh. I that yeah. I'd love to see him go to Pittsburgh. And, and that, that would be fun. That's place up that rivalry. Because let me tell you, if he goes to Pittsburgh, there's a chance he could win that starting job over Mitch Trubisky. If he goes, if he goes to Pittsburgh, there is a legitimate chance he could win that starting job. Oh, absolutely. He, he definitely could. I'd probably take him over Mitch. Again, it's, it's not close. much of an, it is. It's not much yeah. of an upgrade either or. But yeah, I you know, I just said the spice up that robbery as well. The Steelers have a great defense. I, I I think that you know, I think that'd be a really good spot for him to go to. That just I do want to kind of see it the robbery purposes wise of kind of how this is ending here with him. Tommy Cleveland go to Pittsburgh. I think that'd be great. That make a that make a couple of interesting great two games out of those two teams. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So the Yanks and Sox both six and five to start the season. Both both you know both of both have have had their struggles. But before we talk about them, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. 
We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Alrighty, so the Yankees start are six and five right now to start the season, tied for first place with the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. But the big story with the Yankees we got to get to first is Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole did not pitch well last night. He didn't even get out of the second inning, and he really hasn't pitched well to start this season. And I think the big question is going to be is is there concern for Garrett Cole? We saw how pathetic he was in the wild card game. He hasn't started the season well this year. Is there concern for Garrett Cole going forward? And I'm not pushing the panic button yet. I still trust the fact he's going to get out of this funk. He's going to start really getting into his groove. Uh, I, I don't think there's concern yet for Garrett Cole. But, Justin, is there concern for Garrett Cole for the way he's been pitching? I'm with you. I'm not very concerned yet. I'm not the panic level either yet. But, um, you know, yeah, the way he kind of ended – I know last September his hamstring was bothering him. That kind of affected him towards the end of the year. But I, I, I'm worried because it just doesn't look like the same Garrett Cole when he takes a mound. Like – where he's just kind of the intimidator and all that. Like, it just looks like he's he's timid up there. Uh, you know, it just – he does not look like the guy that kind of confidence-wise. I, I just haven't – hasn't seen it. But, no, I'm not there yet. We're impatient of the panic button. It's still – it's still April. I just – and it was weird too last night because I've never seen a pitcher come out in the middle of an inning or when the Yankees are batting and just kind of throwing it in front of the dugout. Like, I've just never seen that. So – I, maybe he just would not, you know, so I don't know, maybe something mechanical, maybe he's just not feeling something right now. Maybe, maybe it's just something, something he's just trying to tinker with right now. I, it's not too concerned with it right now. It's, it's still April and hopefully there'll be like 29 more starts from him. Yeah. And luckily in the rotation, Nestor Cortez has pitched well and uh, Luis Severino had a great outing on, uh, on Thursday night. So luckily the rotation has picked it up a little bit, but unfortunately for Cortez, the offense was absolutely terrible terrible on Sunday and that's been a, that's a problem with this team this offense is now one of the one of the issues for this team and uh and, and if you if you look if you look at uh judge has not been great so far Stanton and Rizzo have cooled off Donaldson and Torres have been absolutely pathetic the two the guys who've been doing the best offensively right now are two they've had two guys hitting over 300 something they needed last year in front of Judge and Stanton and that's LeMayu and Hicks their offense is actually those are the two those have been there they, they've been their two best hitters so far uh, John, we, I think, I think the Yankees right now, 26th and run scored. I do think there's concern for this offense, seeing this was the reason why they did not host the wild card game last year. Their offense wasn't good. And I still think there, there's definitely some concern with this Yankee offense. I think judge and Stan will obviously get it going, but the rest I can't trust. I, a Trizzo I like, but I don't completely trust him. Gallo is absolutely terrible. He's been awful. Uh, Donaldson, outside of that game-winning hit on opening day, has not been good at all. He did have that one home run on Friday night, but outside of that, he's not been good at all. Torres has been absolutely pathetic. I don't know why they didn't trade him in the offseason. So, Justin, you got concerned about this Yankee offense? Because I do. Yeah, I do. I said in the offseason, look, it's the same team. And it's like they go out and trade Josh Donaldson. So, Carlos Correa got, what, $30 million? Why don't you just pay the extra $5 million to get Carlos Correa? I know, I know, I know, I know. It's it's like you're trying to plug holes in a team. And the thing is, look, we've all kind of complained about Gary and the average. 
but at least Gary could find a home run every once in a while. You're not finding that with Kyle Higashioka. I guess oh, Torino God. Been okay. Torino hasn't been bad when he's played. But he again, barely totally plays. Fun. He barely plays. And, and, and here's the thing. Higashioka has been terrible. Everybody was all up on him in spring training. Oh, he had a great spring. He had a great spring. He's been absolutely terrible. Yeah. I, they kept on, you know, and look, I know Gary Deaton's horrible, but like we're all doing this because to fix the defense. It's a defense hasn't what been great. Defense? Yeah, what defense are we yeah. fixing? It's a, it's just, they, just, just terror, just absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, he's just, he's been absolutely, uh, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, terrible. I mean, Higashi Oka's been terrible. I mean, yeah, Connor Falefa, I know we had a couple hits last night, but he's not a good hitter at all. I mean, Donaldson has been garbage and Gallo we traded for he's been garbage I'm very concerned about this offense I mean there's really there's four there's really uh four guys I trust in this lineup right now Hicks LeMay Judge and Stanton that's it not even Rizzo yeah I have Rizzo's cooled off um I saw this I can't remember but like his numbers with you know when he got traded the Yankees his numbers at Wrigley Field and like outside of Wrigley Field are, are, are not good like he's a great he's been a great hitter at Wrigley Field but other than that like his average was really down so can't remember the exact numbers but um it, it was a size difference there so yeah like Rizzo has not been great again yeah Torres Torres is lost like I, I this guy hit 38 home runs a couple years ago he's a total shell of and I think it's the same thing with Gary the defense is an issue I think he's all meant he's mentally in his head and look I know we both play baseball that's the last thing you do as a baseball player just be mentally in your head you're not going anywhere. It's just it's gonna be brutal. He can't even get a ball in the air anymore. It's just all ground balls. There. He, in Sunday, he had four at pathetic at bat. He's a cleanup hitter. He's bunting. He he's just he's just I don't know what's wrong, but I wouldn't even play him this week. I just like just mentally just try to get him right. And I don't think that's gonna work, but it's like yeah, you can't even trade him at this point because what are you gonna get for him? You know, exactly. you're gonna get nothing. You're gonna get nothing. No, no, and he's probably a guy that he could probably go somewhere else and he can go hit 30 home runs and then we get on Cashman because he traded this guy. But again, I don't think he's fixing it in, 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 in a Yankees uniform. Yeah, I think Judge is, Judge is gonna get fine. Like, I can't see Judge hitting one home run every 11 games. That's just not gonna happen. He'll get it going. Stan, Stan at a hot start. I, I think Santu's gonna get it going. But yeah, LeMayu's getting the ball in the air. I think that core, I kind of said a couple of times when I heard he had the core surgery. I just think that was the problem last year. You know, because, you know, there was a hernia he had. Again, I think that was his big problem last year because he looks good. And again, he told me Hicks was one of our better hitters this year. I probably figured that it's going to be a problem. He, he has been good. Again, when's he going to get hurt? That's that's the issue. But yeah, it's the same thing as last year. It's a team that for a couple of weeks, they're going to look really, really good. And we're all going to believe that thing in the world, World Series. And then they're going to get shut out like the weekend, like this weekend in Baltimore, where you scored. What six run total at the Baltimore? Yeah, Royals one run in the two team. losses. That's absolutely pathetic. Yeah, that can't happen. It, it, it's the same thing. And I know everyone's like, okay, well, it's 11 games. But again, they went 11 8 last year in Baltimore. You go 12 and 7, and you would have hosted a wild card. Like these games do matter. Like it actually does matter. Yeah. Especially in a division where you're going to have probably maybe four playoff teams. All these games matter. You have to be up in the O's and you failed this weekend. And it's the same thing as last year. It's going to be up and down, up and down. That's why I said they're. Probably going to be right around 500. I just don't buy in this team that they plugged in holes that just are cheaper options and just doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah, 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 exactly. The offense, that is the biggest concern. You can say Garrett Cole's a concern. I have faith. He's, I, I, I think I, I could trust him to get this thing turned around. This offense, 
seeing what happened last year, I can't trust it. I can't trust this off. I can't trust. I can't trust the fact that this offense is going to get things turned around. No, me neither. I, I don't either. I just that you know some of the bats are just horror, just horrendous. Again, look at last night. They probably should only scored one run last night. I'm like, you, you, if the wind's not howling all over the place, Alexander catches that ball at the bases loaded. There were two outs. They don't score those two runs, and then um, Garcia on that weird, you know, whatever happened on that pitch there. They got to run from that. That doesn't ha- again. That's a fluke. Like, and then they got the one run there in the night to kind of pad, pad, kind of, you know, get, get the extra insurance run there. But like again, they probably sc- only scored that run last night in the ninth inning. Like they would have probably only scored one run last night. Again, it's just it's a it's a concern, and yeah, it's it's just the same thing as last year. It's the same thing as last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do it. We are six and five. We do have to get to one of the positives. And that's been the bullpen because this bullpen has been absolutely phenomenal. Without this bullpen, this team would probably be three and eight or four and seven or three and eight. This bullpen has been absolutely phenomenal. Two of Garrett Cold starts, we didn't pitch well. The bullpen has been great. I mean, if it's been uh, if it's been Chad Green, if it's been Castro, if it's been Peralta, if it's been Michael King, and and uh, last night Clark Schmidt was outstanding too. This bullpen has been the clearly the strength of this team. It's probably been the strength of this team in the last five years. This bullpen has been outstanding. Here's another thing: I don't want to hear about a role as Chapman. I don't want to hear any role as Chapman criticism. Yeah, he had that one bad outing against the against the Blue Jays. He had that one bad outing. And I wish Boone let him finish it off. But I don't want to hear Chapman criticism. Another thing I don't want to hear is, oh, he walked in the game-winning run against the Orioles. He came in with the bases loaded. There's no – I don't want to hear the criticism. Criticize the offense for scoring one run in 11 innings against the Orioles. Don't criticize the role as Chapman. He's still – I feel like he's still a top closer in this game. So this bullpen is the reason why this team is over 500. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. With Chapman, yeah. I'm like, what do you want them to do in that spot? It's a tough spot. I mean, yeah, they should have never been in that spot because they should have won more, more than one run against the Baltimore. So that's just, again, that's on the offense. That loss was on the offense. So, yeah, it just, again, yeah. The bullpen's been great. Clark Smith last night was great. You know, Michael King's pitched pretty well this year. You know, the yeah, the bullpen's been been great. And I'm like, well, why does it could struggle? And, you know, like, if, if the wise could kind of get back to the guy that he looked like last year. You know that has another nasty piece to it. So yeah, that was the that was that was the one issue with the bullpen on Sunday. Yeah. But another thing, score some runs against the Orioles. You scored zero runs against the Orioles when your starting pitcher had twelve strikeouts. Yeah. Twelve strikeouts and in, in seven innings. He had three outs that were in play, and you still can't do anything out of it. It's just it's embarrassing. Oh, it, yeah. it you 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 got shut out by Bruce Zimmerman and. Yeah. Everyone else in the old bullpen that I've never heard of till they stepped on the mound that day. It, it's just yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah, so yeah, I can't can't really put anything on the pitching staff again. And then even the starters, like the starters, have been pretty good. I like Cole's probably been the worst one. I know my Montgomery in that Red Sox start had kind of was not great, but Montgomery like, was pretty good on Friday. Tyone's yeah, been okay. Sevy was really good yeah. on a on a, a Thursday, and then for Nestor Cortez has been outstanding so far. Yeah, like again, Cole's been your worst pitcher. Like again, like if we they can figure it out, if Cole can figure it out, it's a team where the pitching can kind of carry them now for how long, I don't know. But like again, like you can't win games nowadays scoring one, two runs. Like you're gonna have to score something. But again, this rotation and this bullpen is gonna keep them above water. And if we can somehow get a miracle and this offense can wake it up, this team could be really, really good. I just can't. I can't buy in the offense. I did. I did last year at times when they looked like juggernauts, but I'm not going to fall for them hitting. You know, you know, ha- having a big kind of one to 
one, two week outbursts like they cut did at times last year. I, I can't, I'm not going to fall for that again this year. Cause again, it's going to come back down to earth. So the pitching kind of keep them in it, but can the offense just pick it up for a few weeks? I, I just think at some point they will, but when? Yeah. And the thing is this team does have potential because they have something that's consistent and that's their bullpen. Their bullpen is their constant. That's consistent. That's going to be, I think that's going to be there all year. Their bullpen is going to be one of the top bullpens in baseball all year. The issue is going to be is, uh, can the starters give them more than five innings? And can this offense, uh, you know, can this offense be better than they were last year? They have potential to be, but they haven't been so far. And the rotation, yeah, it's been good, but your ace hasn't been good so far. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and again, as we mentioned too, I think, you know, I'm with you. I think Cole's going to figure it out at some point. I think he's too good not to figure it out. And you kind of listen to him. He's a really smart guy. Like he knows what he's doing. So like, I, I think he'll figure it out at some point. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think in that case you're good. I think Lewisica will kind of figure it out as well. I, I think he'll bounce back off that bad start there. And, look, you, you got a guy in Hermont too, that's going to probably come back at some point, well, you know, probably in the next month or so. He pitched pretty well. You know, he's shown flashes that he could be a really good start as well. So, you know, I, I think it's so you kind of look good there, you know, if you can get him back. But, yeah, it's, it's the bullpen's going to be good for you all year. It's just, yeah, it's the offense. And I think, you know, the staff too, I think, you know, the longer and longer this thing kind of goes here, I think, you know, the longer outings you're going to see with the short spring training that they had. So I think, you know, I kind of feel good that they'll get it going here at some point with the staff. They'll, they'll be able to make some longer starts because, again, you can't really tax – because I worry about taxing the bullpen again. I, I think that kind of was an issue at some point, you know, August, September, you kind of tax them. But, um, yeah, it's just – that's going to be good. The bullpen's going to be good. They're not going to blow too many games. It's just can the offense do enough to help them out in a night in, night out basis. I just, it's tough to see them do doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a problem for the, for really the last year for the last, uh, the last two years has just been this offense. It's just definitely been a problem for this team. But we're going to trans- transition over to the Red Sox. They're kind of in that same spot as the Yankees. Is they got potential to be really good. Or they could also be really, really average. And some of the positives right now for the Red Sox, Devers has been really good. Verdugo's been good. Bogarts has been good. Uh, I really liked what I saw out of Tanner Houck on Saturday. I think he's been good. And one of the surprises has kind of been the bullpen. Last night, uh, you know, Avaldi wasn't great. He only went four and two-thirds. But but they were able to win that game over the Blue Jays. They were only, they were able to win a two-to-one game against a good lineup in the Blue Jays. And their bullpen, Garrett Whitlock, is definitely – they should, should be their closer. Stop with this core. Stop with this closer by committee. Whitlock's your best reliever. He should be your closer. And and if you look at uh, Robles, pitched well last night. Uh, Valdez, he pitched pretty well last night. So their bullpen has been a little bit better than expected. But some of the negatives have been is has been the back end of that rotation. Uh, Nick Pavetta is, has been awful. Rich Hill is, needs to retire. He is absolutely terrible. Rich Hill needs to retire. Uh, and then some of the, the lineup hasn't been as good as people thought. They thought it would be so far. I mean, J.D. has struggled. Tr- Trevor Story's had trouble adjusting. They don't have a leadoff guy. Kike Hernandez has been absolutely terrible. And the bottom of this lineup has been bad. Bobby Dahlbeck has been awful, too. And I think it was a mistake trading Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr. cannot hit at all. Yeah. That trade was always interesting. I I know they got – I forget the prospect's name. I know he's supposed to be a pretty good prospect, but I I just did not get that move. I know Jackie Bradley's a fan favorite out there, but, yeah. Oh, stop. Stop. The guy can't hit at all. Trade Hunter Renfro had a career year last year. Yeah. He had a career year. I know he's not been great this year, but he's better than Jackie Bradley. Oh, absolutely. He's such a great hitter. He's a 30 home run guy last year. 
You know, I think the Red Sox, too. Hansel Ray Robles has been unbelievable. And he was a guy, too. He didn't – I don't think he joined the team either. He either joined the final few days of spring training or he didn't join the team in New York because he had problems with his visa. So he couldn't join the team in spring training. So he didn't really see any action until he got to New York. And he's been great. Matt Barnes right now, his velocity has just been down. and they, I don't know what the issue is there. So – Barnes is kind of, you know, not been great. But, yeah, Michael Walker was really good Saturday. And his, his location was just on, like, on uh, Saturday. Again, good Minnesota Twins lineup. I know they haven't got it going, but that, that's still a pretty good lineup there that they have. I thought he pitched really, really well. Yeah, Pavetta has not been good. And he's pitching tonight, and in his last six starts in Toronto, he's got an ER just under six, and he's given up six home runs. So, he's you know, tonight may be an ugly one for him. And then with Hauk, too, they're playing in Toronto next week, and just something to kind of keep in mind in the future for how you know he's not vaccinated. Oh, so God. something you know, like if they play Toronto, you know, say in September, big start, you know, that could hurt them. But and I guess there's a couple more Red Sox as well. They haven't announced who they are, but I guess there's they still have a couple more who are unvaccinated that won't play next week. But yeah, you know, how has been good, but again, you lose him next Tuesday. He was supposed to start next Tuesday in Toronto. Obviously, he won't do that now. Um, but yeah, like I liked how and I thought last year's numbers didn't really indicate of how good he is. I just think it kind of got hit around at times and kind of got bloated because he already got bloated there a bit. But yeah, you know, Bogart's got it going too this weekend. He got off to a slow start and kind of people thought maybe it was a contract, but he got it going this week against Minnesota. I think it I think it was Saturday, Sunday, he went both days, he went three for four. And then, you know, Martinez has struggled. Again, this is it for him in Boston. Like, it does not sound like he's going to resign here. It doesn't look like Boston kind of wants to keep him around. So, I don't know if there's pressure there of kind of trying to do too much here, trying to get on the board and trying to, you know, just to get a good contract here. I don't know if that's part of it. But, yeah, Story did – I think Story only had 12 spring training at-bats. He had a kid, so he was kind of away for a while. Obviously, he didn't sign till late. So, I don't know if he just isn't totally – you know, in sync yet hitting wise. So I don't know if that's been a problem for him yet, but um, just another guy, I think we'll get it going at some point, but yeah, the Red Sox, again, they kind of like the Yankees just been up and down one day. They look really good. The next, it just kind of, you know, hasn't, they, they just haven't looked good. So, you know, it's, it's kind of been the same story like the Yankees. Absolutely. 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 So we're going to wrap up the show. We got some breaking news uh, in college basketball. Actually, we're going to wrap up the show. Oscar Shibway is returning. For his for his senior season, do you think the Wildcats are championship contenders with him back? I think they will be. Um, you know, I can't trust Calipari. I thought this is the year he's finally get one. You know, he doesn't have a ton of. Fresh, I think he's got two five star freshmen coming in next year, two or three. But again, he's been big in the portal, so I think that it's Kentucky. He's going to add probably another guy or two in the portal. So yeah, I think Kentucky's be right there. He won the Wooden Award last year. He's one of the best rebounders in the entire country. He's just an absolute beast down low too defensively. He's been he's got a great presence. So yeah, I think Kentucky right there again. They're gonna be again. They're probably gonna be five, top top five preseason, maybe top three. They're gonna be right there yet again. So yeah, Kentucky's got another shot to go make another title run. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ. For our producer Chase Garcia, did a great job. For Justin Nafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week. With our mock with our mock draft, and we'll be talking NBA playoffs. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open. It's Barkley. 
And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field. But the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.